1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your fine podcast. My name is John Boccasino, of course, uh, being joined here on the podcast by Jamie D'Amico. We are continuing with our state of the Buffalo Bills offseason series. We took a much-needed week off last week to prepare for Jamie, what I feel like is uh, probably... 1A and 1B. We talked about this during the, the scene setter for Bills fans when we were setting up the stage for this topic. But the biggest areas of concern for Bills fans, especially these two here on Believe, heading into the offseason were the trenches, the offensive line and the defensive line. We ad nauseum went through the offensive line, which, of course, has had the benefit of bringing back talent like John Feliciano and Daryl Williams and Ike Butker, to solidify that question mark. But today's podcast topic is one that makes my stomach churn because I feel like it's not getting enough attention. It's not getting enough of this, the spotlight being shown on it. And it's the defensive line. The one area that bills fans, I think can uniformly agree the team needed to get better across the board was in pressures on the quarterback and the, the run defense is fine. We'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts. But, Jamie, this area is a sneaky area of need for me. Uh, it's a sneaky concern um, because I feel like this is the one area that could really be holding the Bills back from something truly special in 2021.
2: The Bills had the highest priced defensive line in football last season. Did they play like it? I would say no. I, when you have a high priced unit... You expect dominance, and they did not dominate this past year. Jerry Hughes was his normal, excellent self, but outside of him, I think that it was really, it was kind of lacking. Losing Star Lutelele, that hurt because they didn't have a healthy, true one-tackle, or one-technique tackle who was going to eat up blocks and push to the pocket. This was a group that they really needed to come up with some Some interesting ways of gathering pressure on the quarterback. And here's something that people are not talking about. The season prior, the Bills had a pretty good pass rush. They had 44 sacks by the defensive line alone. This year, as a team, they had 38 sacks. The biggest difference was, you know, there was a little bit of personnel changing going on there, but Eric Washington, the defensive line coach, They brought him in. He was a former Panther coach, is widely respected throughout the league. Can we chalk up a step back in line play to a new coach being brought aboard and the players trying to learn that new system?
1: You know, it's a fair question. Um, I think that a lot of it comes to familiarity. And and keep in mind, too, that while the Bills had a lot of familiar faces, they did last year uh, replace Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips with Mario Addison and Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson. Um, they had to learn a new scheme. They had Star opt out due to COVID. So it, it's fair to bring up the adjustments that the team might have had to make uh, from 19 to 20. And it's it is it's disappointing when you talk about the percentage of the salary that Buffalo has spent on the defensive line. You mentioned before no team spent more money and a higher percentage of its salary cap on the D line, then the bills in 2019, it was 22.8% of their cap was on the line. Last year, it was 23.2% of their cap. And I guarantee you the bills did not get their the proper bang for the buck when it came to what they spent on their investments last year for the defensive line. Now, a lot of us were really confused about Trent Murphy getting retained and the $9.5 million that, oh my gosh, if we had that money this year, what that would have done for... I mean, Brandon Bean already has won GM of the year with his wizardry in navigating through this tricky salary cap due to COVID and uh, being a lower cap than, than normal. But if the Bills had that money from last year from Trent Murphy to roll over to this year, they could legitimately go after a Carl Lawson. They could go after guys to bolster this defensive line unit as it is. I don't know, Jamie, I, I I hope the team takes a step forward. We'll get into who we're excited about and who we're concerned about with the, the players that are returning, but the bills just didn't get it done, you know, with the money that they spent, you know, the, the replacements of Addison Butler, Jefferson and rookie agent, AJ, AJ Epinesa um, combined for nine sacks in 2020, which is seven less than Lawson and Phillips had by themselves in 2019. And it's just the pressures were down, the sacks were down, the hurries were down, and yet the money still went up. So I'm not quite sure what Buffalo is going to do to address this besides banking on this. Ed Oliver, they love Ed Oliver, and he is. he. I think he really gets maligned unfairly by the Bills fan base because he's not recording... 10 plus sacks and Bill's fans don't know how to read between the lines sometimes to judge the worthiness of somebody on the defensive line. But I think Ed Oliver's continued ascension and the return of star La are, are two really big factors that play in this unit's favor. Of course, you got to get after the quarterback. That's the key in this league. And we saw that, in the AFC Championship game, where the Bills just could not get after a hobbled Patrick Mahomes.
2: One of the things that I want to address, and I'm glad you brought the names up, is I hear Bills fans saying they should have never let Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips go. Well, I'm here to very strongly refute that, because Shaq Lawson, while he was good for the Bills, he wasn't as good for the Dolphins, and in fact, they have traded him away after one season. Jordan Phillips, who had a career year after never having more than two and a half sacks in, in a season, had an absolute monster of a year getting after the quarterback for the Bills. Uh, he ended up with two sacks this past season in Arizona before uh, before getting injured. And he, if he didn't have some guaranteed money coming up this season, they're saying there's no way that Arizona wouldn't have cut him. So those players, would they have made a difference? Probably not. Uh, the players that Buffalo brought in to take their places seemingly were pretty good. Uh, I, I think Vernon Butler probably outplays uh, Jordan Phillips. Um, I think Mario Addison overall has a stronger body of work than Shaq Lawson, who really only had one good season. As a pro. So when you take a look at those trade outs, I, I think Buffalo had some decent personnel, but you're right, it comes down to getting after the quarterback in the NFL, right? I mean, that's how you win. That's how you that's how you make the offense stumble. You saw it in the Super Bowl. Now, granted, the uh the Chiefs were missing their their two tackles, and that's You know, no team is gonna play well with that. But when you make Mahomes uncomfortable, make him move his feet, he's not as good. Buffalo couldn't do that. And the way their their defense is set up systemically, they are predicated on getting after the quarterback with only four pass rushers. As soon as you start sending blitzers, you're taking people out of their zone coverage, you're opening up paths for the wide receivers to get open downfield. And that's just that's not gonna work. So John Baccasino. What are they going to do to generate a pass rush this year?
1: So I I think what, what Brandon Bean has done so beautifully uh, this offseason is allow the Bills to go after the best player available with pick 30 in the first round. And I, I'm i not sure who is going to still be there. I'm not a draft expert or beatnik who can tell you, you know, a pick 30, this guy from Penn State or this guy from Florida State is going to be available. I can do research and come up with some names, but what I think... The Bills should do is if there is a talented edge rusher available to them who falls to number thirty, I think that's a prime target for the Bills to use um, their first-round draft pick on. Even though it's more resources you're spending on a unit that has already had a lot of money poured into it, this is by far the biggest weakness to me, the biggest area of concern. And look, the Bills have names, you know, and and the Bills have players who can step up and fill the void, but I, I don't know. I think the bills have made some very interesting off season moves when it comes to showing where they feel they need to improve. And the fact that they haven't brought in a high priced, relatively speaking high price, because their cap situation is pretty dire. But for example, they haven't signed a Carl Lawson. They haven't gone after, you know, any of the big names that they were linked to, um, you know, Autry, uh, Danico Autry with the Colts. Um, There were a bunch of guys that were linked to Buffalo as kind of the bargains, if you will. And they, of course, are not bargains because nobody in free agency goes cheaply, except it seems like the guys at Buffalo are able to sign. Bills get a lot of good bargains, but edge rusher does not come cheap. So my long-winded way of saying, I think the Bills are running it back with the unit that they've got And for the sake of this breakdown, Jamie, let's start with the defensive ends that Buffalo has coming back. Now, there's a very intriguing name that Buffalo just brought in, another former Carolina Panther, F.A. Obada, who is going to – he was on the uh, Pathway program, uh, the International Pathways program, along with Christian Wade, who I guess gets another year. They've granted Wade another year, so he can – ride out the program, not needing to worry about making the 53, but Obata became the first ever pathway player to quote unquote graduate and earn a spot on the 53 man roster with the Panthers. I think the investment that the bills made in signing him to a one year deal, it's going to be good competition for who Buffalo already has under contract with Jerry Hughes, the underrated Jerry Hughes at one of the defensive ends. Mario Addison, who's about to turn 34, who restructured his deal this offseason. Those two are expected to be the main starters at left defensive end and right defensive end. I am, count me in the minority, Jamie. I'm not, I don't know. Those aren't the one. like, I don't expect Jerry Hughes to return to his double digit sack days. But I think Jerry Hughes, like Ed Oliver, falls under the much maligned category where his play is better than what it shows in the stat book.
2: I'm going to agree with you on that. And I think part of it is that the Sean McDermott scheme is predicated on defensive ends, keeping the quarterback in the pocket and not letting them escape as opposed to getting upfield as fast as they possibly can and getting the sack. So, you know, you see a lot of the pressure on, from this defense coming up the middle and through blitzers. So we're Under McDermott, I don't think we are ever going to see a double digit sack defensive end, but that doesn't mean that Jerry Hughes isn't an excellent player. He was, what, number five in the NFL in pass rush win rate, according to Pro Football Focus. The guy can still ball. And Mario Addison has a a strong track record of getting after the quarterback and being a solid player. He's more of a power style defensive end. And I think that's what. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott prefer because again they I think prefer defensive ends that keep the the quarterback in the pocket. Having great athletes is is a good thing. Now, amongst the things that was intriguing this past season was the development of AJ Epenesa who early in the season appeared to be lost but also had dropped a ton of weight from his playing days at Iowa and sort of seemed like he was trying to figure out how to use his newfound body that was for him undersized. He dropped about 30 pounds. So he didn't have, didn't quite have the mass that he had before, uh, could get moved by blockers a little well, but he could move his feet much better and added a quickness to his game. I will be interested to see how he develops over the course of this offseason because. You know, like I said, he has a new toolkit at his disposal. And how is he going to use that? Is he going to take a step forward? Is he somebody who can play, or is he going to be a low-end starter, maybe fringy backup type player?
1: I think that what Buffalo system will allow for Epinessa is he never has to be the man when it comes to being the primary. Pass rusher, the guy who primarily gets after the quarterback, at least in twenty twenty one, that's gonna fall again on Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison to, to to bulk uh the the shoulder of that responsibility. I feel like Epinesa with the speed aspect can definitely, you know, because what's the thing that people always talk about when it comes to the quarterbacks who are the hardest to bring down? Duh. They get rid of the ball quickly. They get rid of the ball in a hurry. That's why Tom Brady never gets sacked. That's why Patrick Mahomes rarely get well and Patrick Mahomes is also a freak of nature when it comes to eluding the rush but you need those power rushers like Jerry Hughes and you need those guys like A.J. Appanessa who can really get after the quarterback in a hurry who can give the penetration uh, a pretty quick spurt up the up the middle uh, that he's able to do pretty pretty well when it comes to his pass rushing abilities I think that that's Jamie we're hitting on a real common theme here the Bills believe again that they have the pieces in place to be successful and they just need to all round into form when it comes to getting after the quarterback and you mentioned Jerry Hughes yeah he was fifth in in pass rush win rate last year he plays big in big games and that's why it's foolish to me the notion that the bills were going to cut Jerry Hughes because even if you make that cut and save you know seven million dollars against the cap You're not going to find an edge rusher who can replicate what he does for $7 million. No way. That's just, that's, that's a bargain basement price. So why would you cut somebody and create another hole on a unit that has a lot of, of question marks? And I give Jerry a lot of credit. I know we're bouncing around here a little bit, but he, again, as much maligned as he is, he brings it in the big games, in the playoff games in four playoff games, career wise, He has six sacks, seven quarterback hits, 10 tackles, and six tackles for loss. This guy brings it in the biggest situations and the biggest games, and that's why, to me, he is obviously the most valuable edge rusher. I'm just not necessarily sure Mario Addison. We've clearly seen the best days from Addison, who's going to turn 34 when this season starts. I know he had, what, five sacks tied for the team lead, 30 tackles, seven for loss, He only had eight quarterback hits and it just seemed like for me, there were too many times when Mario disappeared for long periods of of time. And you can't say that about Jerry. Jerry's always out there. Jerry's always causing havoc to me. Mario is the player who I think has the most pressure and the most scrutiny on him for this defensive line, because if he can revert back to the four straight nine plus sack seasons he had before coming to Buffalo, all of a sudden the bills have a really profound weapon on the defensive line.
2: hundred percent agree on that. And you know, there are players that underperformed Trent Murphy. There are players that performed well on the defensive line and it didn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. And I I think you made a great point at Oliver is another one of those. The guy actually had a hell of a season, even though he seemed to disappear at times. Now, Mario Addison, you're right. He did disappear. And, you know, he also had his his problems against the run, often taking bad angles and giving up, giving up the edge on outside runs, especially on RPOs. So what do you do with that? Can you, I mean, he's going to be back this year. He took a pay cut. Well, interestingly, he took a pay cut and gave up one year from his contract, but this upcoming season, his salary is guaranteed. So good for the team in both counts, but I think by removing a year from his original contract, that was the front office saying, we know he's in decline, and we don't want to have to deal with this contract two more years down the road. Maybe one more, but not two more.
1: Yeah, I think it was a good... It's a, it's a win-win. It's a it's a win-win for both the Bills and for the player because Mario can go try to see greener pastures and make some more money in the free agent market. Good luck with that. And I feel like he, he'll be incentivized to prove that he still has something left in the tank, even at age 34. I I don't feel as bad about Buffalo's 1-2 edge rushers in Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. I, I wish... The Bills had the cap flexibility, but if you tell me the Bills could have prioritized spending a high-priced uh, free agent on the D-line to bring in or bring it back Matt Milano, I'd rather bring back Matt Milano. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's, it's, and I know it's comparing apples and pineapples here, but you look at the decisions that Bean had to make. That's why, again, I feel like they're so comfortable in who they have. What choice did they have? They're not going to create even more vacancies. I mean, as it is, they cut Quentin Jefferson, who I actually thought was more likely to stick around, and they'd say goodbye to Vernon Butler. But for some reason, um, you know, the Bills, who know a lot more than me about football, decided to keep Butler, and he restructured his deal, and they got rid of Quentin Jefferson instead. On the D tackle side of it, there is again a lot of guys who are the Bills are banking on for bounce back years uh, on this defensive line, and continuing with the defensive ends. Who better to think about a bounce back season than a lot of these high upside, low risk guys that Buffalo has at the defensive end spot. And it's F.A. Obata, who they signed earlier this week. It's Daryl Johnson, who is an incredible athletic freak of nature. My boy, I love me some DJ. I'm hoping this is the year that he can, you know, stick with the team as a little more than rotational depth, kind of make his mark. I think he's definitely an underrated one of those developmental prospects. So amongst those guys, Jamie, I think Buffalo has a lot. They could hit the lottery on one or two of these guys. And that's my point. With all of this on the defensive line, the Bills don't need to go out there and find an Aaron Donald amongst this group. They just need someone who can be productive and competent and get after the quarterback and be good in the run defense because the rest will take care of itself. They're not asking for an all pro. They're asking for competent play out of these veterans.
2: And I love the Obata signing because what that does is it pushes Daryl Johnson, but also it eliminates the need to keep guys on the roster like um, like Brian Cox Jr., who's you know he he showed pretty well in preseason, but you know he's not really ever going to be a difference maker. So perhaps by bringing in somebody like Obata, you're looking at you're looking at a a depth signing, but an improvement in depth. Don't lose sight of the fact, and I'm saying this to the listeners, don't lose sight of the fact that improved depth improves the team overall. Because injuries happen, people get gassed, they need to come out of the game and uh, you know catch their breath. You need these players to come in, and also it creates better competition in the preseason and in practice, and that can only make the other players around them better.
1: Oh, absolutely. If, if one to 53 are getting pushed to the max because they know that their roster spot is not secured, it rises up the level of play of everybody else in that unit. And FA Obata is a guy who I'm, I, I guarantee you the Panthers wish they could have kept him um, because of what he brings to the table. He's a physical uh, specimen. He's winning the, the plays and the bull rushes because of his strength, his determination and his athleticism. Those aren't skills you can coach. You know, you can't coach up somebody to be more physical or more determined than they already are. You have to either want it and you either have that or you don't have it, which to me, Obada's is one of those hustle guys who's going to bust his hump. Hustle. Absolutely. Yep. He's going to bust his hump. He's going to he's going to bring it. And the fact that he had five and a half sacks last year, 18 total tackles, that's like that might be the baseline. That might be the floor of his capabilities. He could blossom into a six and a half, seven, eight sack kind of guy. Again, knowing that he doesn't have to be the man, you know, the versatility that he brings to this defense for Leslie Frazier, I think it's great. It's a really one of those low risk, high reward type of one year deals that the Bills are known for. I think Obata has a clear pathway to earning some solid playing time on this team. Darrell Johnson gets a lot of credit for being a really good special teamer which is incredible when you think about how big he is. The fact that I'd be shaking in my pants if I saw Daryl Johnson chasing down the field as a special teams tackler trying to bring me down in the return game. I mean, that's a scary thought for other teams out there, but he can be pushed back to more of a competing for reps. Doesn't, you know, if, if he, if he, if he blooms into a great player, awesome. I don't think he's going to, but I don't think he needs to be again, on this defense you got the upside with fa obata daryl johnson being the freak of nature athlete that we talked about aj epinesa is only going to get better and he proved himself the last month of the season to really validate what buffalo spent on their draft pick when they signed him in the 2019 nfl 2020 nfl draft mike love and brian cox jr i don't know if buffalo has anything with the two of them um I don't know. I just, they're, they're too raw right now to me. Mike love will have a great preseason. It seems like when there were such things as preseason games and then doesn't really do a lot with his opportunities limited as they might be. So I don't know. Those two guys are the ones to me that are fighting for a roster spot. And and that's about it.
2: I, I agree with you on that. They're, they're depth players, camp bodies. They're the kind of guys who, if injuries happen over the course of the season, they can be re-signed and would probably be inactive most of the time.
1: Now, we've we've gone through, and even though, again, yeah, Brian Cox and Mike Love will have opportunities in training camp to stick around and be maybe a little bit more than depth players, but it's good to have those types of guys who, like you said, Jamie, so astutely are pushing the starters, are pushing the veterans to be better. That's going to make the DEs I think a lot more capable than Buffalo Bills fans might be expecting heading into this offseason. To me, the whole linchpin of this defensive line, the biggest variable that needs to round into form for these Buffalo Bills to return to a top-five defense and a legit Super Bowl winner, it's the defensive tackles. And it all starts with the big boy, the run-stuffer, Star Latulale. He did a 180 earlier in the week. There were reports, or last week, rather, there were reports that Star was entertaining either retiring or... Or just, you know, stopping playing football and walking away from the Buffalo Bills. Those reports proved to be false. Uh, the word is he is coming back, and I have to be so ecstatic if I'm Leslie Frazier thinking about my talented run clogger coming back to really slow down the uh the opposition in the middle as the nose tackle on the one technique that Buffalo so desperately missed during 2020.
2: The Bills did not get any reasonably good play at Whoever was playing the one technique, you had uh horrible Harry who was coming off of an injury and it's questionable whether he was really in uh playing condition and whether he was fully recovered from that injury, but they, they needed Harrison Phillips out there. Here's the question I have. A lot of the, a lot of the regression of the bills defensive line has been pitted on the fact that Star Latulele was not in the lineup. Are we making Star out to be a bigger difference maker than he actually is? Because if you recall two seasons ago, he was very maligned by Bills fans. Harrison Phillips began taking reps away from him, and people were calling for Star to be cut. But here we are saying star is going to be the difference in the defensive line. Is this one of those examples of you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Or are we putting more on him than is reasonable?
1: You know, it's, it's a fair question to ask because absence does make the heart grow fonder. Let's keep rolling out the cool cliches about, you know, <laughs> missing what you have and not appreciating it until it's gone. But here's the truth, Jamie. You mentioned it earlier. The Bills, as much as they tried with Quentin Jefferson or horrible Harry Phillips to step up there and be that one technique, the Bills didn't have it last year. And nobody could replicate what Starr does. And what Star does is, again, he eats up those blockers. He lets the linebackers move and operate more freely and really see the field with a clearer field of vision. He allows Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds to really be their excellent selves, Uh, both in attacking the point of scrimmage, the line of scrimmage, or seeing and dropping back into coverage to go after their guy. When you've got someone like Star who can devour and eat alive the offensive lineman he's going up against, it opens up so many more opportunities for this defense to get after the quarterback. I can't state enough how much Buffalo missed Star Latulule last year, not just because he's a large Gentleman, but because of his presence on the field and what he does to really just eat up and devour those blockers. And, you know, star is really good in the run game too. Obviously he's not someone who does anything in the pass rush, uh, capabilities, you know, he, but that's not what he does. He is the, I put it this way. If the bills had star Latula on the field for the Titans game and the first chiefs game, they're not running wild. Like, Kansas City with Clyde Edwards E. Lair. they're not running wild over Buffalo. Tennessee is not running wild over Buffalo if Starla Tulele is out there. It's just that simple. The man makes the Bills' defense better.
2: So I'm going to throw a name at you, a player that the Bills lost this past season. Here is a player that was on the Bills' roster two seasons ago, and he was up and down from the practice squad. The Bills cut him at the end of the preseason trying to get him through to the practice squad, but he got signed by the Browns. I'm talking about 310-pound Vincent Taylor, who ended up being a one-technique tackle that was not on the roster. I wonder if he would have made a difference being in there. Could he have been better than Harrison Phillips? You hate to lose good players, and it seems like the Bills are losing decent players to the Browns. Vincent Taylor got into 15 games while he only had... 12 tackles this past year, he was a uh, he was a, a lane-clogger in the mold of Star Latulele, though not as big, had not paid nearly as much, but a depth piece that could have helped throughout the year.
1: Yeah, it's a fair question to to surmise whether Taylor would have made an impact. <clears throat> At the time, the Bills, and they're going to have this problem again too, because you know the Bills love the 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 volume play they love to bring in bodies and see you know the, let the best let the cream rise to the top when it comes to who's going to earn a roster spot who's going to be on the 50
2: we are just laying out the clichés aren't we <laughs>
1: <laughs> i guess i haven't had enough coffee my brain is relying on lazy thinking and clichés uh this morning with the cream rising to the top comment but i don't know i vincent taylor he's an interesting one of those kind of like a wyatt teller types of like uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, you're not going to hit on all of those uh, you know, moves that the bills make. I mean, sometimes Brandon Bean doesn't strike gold and that, you know, the Wyatt Teller draft trade allowed the bills to go up and get the assets for Josh Allen and Vincent Taylor. The bills let go because they just didn't, it was a numbers play. They didn't think they had room for him, but I want to go back to Harry Phillips, Harrison Phillips, who everybody knows, you know, college wrestler, uh, somebody that Sean McDermott, you know, and Bills fans fell in love with his rookie season. I know that the it's easy for people to rag on Harry for not being able to fill Star's monstrous shoes at the one tech, and that's fair. That's a that's a fair criticism. But I want to give Harry a little bit of slack because it, it takes some time to recover from that ACL tear. It's anywhere from twelve to eighteen months, you know, based on. Your recovery time and and how well your your range of motion returns. I think he actually did a fairly decent job in general for the Bills last year on the D line, where you know he's he's not a pushover. Uh, he's not somebody who is going to you know get taken advantage of and you know easily taken out of his plays. I feel like for me, Harry Phillips has another opportunity to bounce back and contribute on the, as a defensive tackle where, you know, he knows what's at stake. If he doesn't perform, he's not getting that second contract with the Buffalo Bills. And he hasn't done enough to generate national interest from the other 31 teams. So I, he's almost one of those guys I bank on having really solid bounce back capabilities because of the fact of what's at stake for him, he needs to prove it this year. Otherwise he's on his way out.
2: I I think that's a great point because yeah, the tape that he put down last year, it wasn't the best, but as a rookie before his injury, he was good. He was taking actually the lion's share of reps away from Starla That's saying something because again, everybody is saying that is the player that we missed on the defense last year. Well, you you make a great point about it taking time to recover from the injury, and we can only assume that he did not have enough time uh, to get in, in full physical shape to be out there, to be fully healthy. And I'm sure we're going to see a bit of a bounce back from him. But like you said, he has to. Like there's, really, there's really no other way around it because he's at a crossroads in his career at this point. If he comes out, and plays the way he did last season through, you know, a good portion of the season, he may not make the team. I, I don't know that the Bills are going to have an improvement on the roster uh, by by the time cutdown day comes. But if they have something that seems that seems like it has potential, and they may go in another direction. So, yeah, fight for your life, Harry. We need you.
1: Well, we do it. And, and think back to, I, I want to say it was the, it was either the Ravens or the Colts game where Phillips had one of those really like for a big boy playing where he plays along the line. He shredded the blocker. He made a tackle of the back. I forget whether it was, um it wasn't Lamar Jackson. It might've been um one of the Ravens backs, but I was just really impressed with the way he shedded the blocker. He showed some agility and he brought down the ball carrier in the backfield for a loss. And that to me showed that again, he has fully recovered from that ACL, from the knee injury. You know, he played some of the best football of his career uh over down down the stretch last year. I think he had 20 plus tackles over the team's seven final games. He was getting after the quarterback. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh for Harry to show what he can do and what he can bring to this defensive line much like the next guy I want to talk about. I think we need to spend a couple of minutes talking about Ed Oliver, the former number nine overall pick, because if you talk about someone who epitomizes Buffalo's shortcomings and epitomizes the fans' frustrations, people either love Ed Oliver or they feel like the Bills made a mistake in drafting Ed Oliver. And I, to me, it's not that clear cut. I actually really like what Ed Oliver brings to this team I think that he gets unfairly criticized. So where do you stand, Jamie? Are you on Ed Oliver's bandwagon or are you not?
2: I am firmly on the Ed Oliver bandwagon. He is a good player. He does so many things that don't show up in the stat sheet. He moves well. He, after being benched as a rookie, he's he's in the right place at the right time. He plays bigger than he is. He's quick And he does a lot of things that set up his teammates by taking on blockers, by getting into gaps to make running backs change direction. He is a handful for offensive linemen. And the guy is going to keep improving because he seems to have that kind of work ethic. Ed Oliver is a good player. Now, a top 10 draft pick.
1: He is. He is. He's absolutely a phenomenal player. So let's get that out there right away. Team Believe, we are all on Ed L.
2: He was unfairly compared to Aaron Donald when he was coming out because they're both undersized. There's only one Aaron Donald, and there only has ever been one Aaron Donald. So that wasn't fair. You know, we said it on this show that comparison does him no favors now do you want a top 10 guy to be a double digit sack dude yeah sure of course that's what you want but also you want a solid football player out there and that's what he is believe hosts like Ed Oliver damn it
1: well and and exactly I listen I will ring that bell until I'm blue in the face that Ed Oliver is you know he's not Aaron Donald you're right but what he does he's a great run defender and which is very underrated part of his ball game because people just want to look at the sack totals but he's a really solid defender against the run he's patient he stays with it he doesn't over pursue and leave himself vulnerable to cutbacks where a back can go for 10 15 yards after juking his way past ed oliver but he's also somebody who he you said it earlier he's determined. His work ethic is incredible. You watch him, there's plays where he's getting beat and he just keeps fighting till the final whistle. He is exactly that type of trust the process guy that Sean McDermott wants out of this team. And he's underrated too at getting after the quarterback. I know he only had three sacks last year, but he really has shown off some explosive moves where he can get after the quarterback and be disruptive. I love when Leslie Frazier calls at Oliver disruptive. That's what he is. He's not going to be a guy with 10 plus sacks. Maybe this year he gets up to six and a half or seven, and that'd be a great breakthrough for him. But he's a, a very solid starter, a very solid run defender, and has shown good flashes in the pass rush. So I am all for seeing what Ed Oliver can do again with star Latula Lane next to him. Having star there, I cannot state this enough, how much it's going to help Ed Oliver's maturation and development. It's just, it's a slam dunk. I, I,
2: I 100% agree with you on that, and uh, I, I think that when you take him out of the game and, say, put in his backup Vernon Butler, you're going to see the difference in, in what happens on the field. He's a better player than Butler, and Butler, of course, has talent and has been a, a little bit of a disappointment uh, through his career. He seemed to play better last season. But frankly, for the three-technique defensive tackle, I think the Bills are in a very good position, especially when you consider that you've got Justin Zimmer, who made plays last year and is a natural three-technique. I think those three guys, you are pretty sound at that position.
1: When you talk about Zimmer is like your lunch bucket guy on the defensive line, He he's a hard worker, he's a get-after-it, blue-collar type of player, and then you've got a Vernon Butler who is able to just, with his sheer athleticism, he made some plays stopping the run last year where your jaw dropped. You are like, wait a minute, that big dude showed that type of versatility to bring down a ball carrier. I like what you're talking about, Jamie, when it comes to these three techs and what they can bring to the table and how, as much as Vernon Butler, again, Bills fans might not appreciate it, he outperformed his contract last year. He played, given what the Bills asked him to do, he played better than was expected. And I feel like with his run stuffing abilities, with his ability to to really just be a solid performer at the three tech and with Justin Zimmer being someone who has great reaction time, um, you know, he obviously had that notable play of of stripping Cam Newton for the game ceiling fumble, I believe in week seven or week eight, uh, when Buffalo needed that win against the Patriots. You know, Zimmer is one of those guys who is only going to get better the more reps that he gets. So I feel like that's what brand that's what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are banking on. Continuity. These guys coming back for another year in Eric Washington's system, for another year in Leslie Frazier's defense and watching them take off. I'm actually getting a little more excited about this unit than maybe I should be, but I feel like we're we're highlighting while being realistic what this team needs to do to improve. And the answer is, just play to your capabilities. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it sounds simple, but do you, am I am I being oversimplistic in this, or do you, do you think that we're looking at it with a too much of a glass half full perspective?
2: I I think we are slightly in danger of doing that. But you know, when when you combine, at least for the three technique, when you combine the talent and potential of at least the top two guys with the unexpected production and motor of Zimmer, it's kind of what you want. I mean, don't don't you kind of want a good athlete who has shown a lot of hustle and been a little bit of a disappointment as your backup? As long as he has the right attitude, you know, your, your backup is never going to be a great player. They're a backup. If they were a great player, they'd be a starter. But a player like Vernon Butler showed this past season that he can be a a solid performer when he's not being relied upon to be the man, and it's. I, I think the glass is half full when it comes to the three technique. Uh, the one technique star needs to play well. Phillips needs to come back and fully come back I should say have a full season playing like he did the the last quarter of the season um and they probably need one more piece there they they still need to bring in competition but overall the defensive line isn't bad they just didn't get after the quarterback the way they needed to um they needed to stop the run a little bit better than they did that will be improved when you have larger and healthy players at the one technique.
1: It's a great way to summarize our state of the defensive line. It's uh, you know, there there's definitely cause for some concern because of course what we're talking about is not guaranteed to happen with Ed Oliver continuing to hit his mark with Harry Phillips, continuing to bounce back from that injury with star coming back fully committed and and ready to, to be a a stuffing uh, presence in the middle of this defensive line. But here's the underlying factor, Jamie, the Bills can now, again, with what they've done in the offseason, they can focus their draft on the best possible available player when they pick. So if if Brandon, be- I trust Brandon Bean. Listen, I, I'm not a homer who blindly follows Brandon Bean to the seventh layer of hell and says, I'm with you, Captain, uh-huh. whatever you ask. Like, I'm not going to be that type of Bills fan. But they've earned that ability to have the confidence and trust that they know what they're doing. So with Brandon Bean having all these draft picks to get to use and not having a ton of glaring holes anymore. Just imagine how stressed we'd be if Milano had walked, if Feliciano had walked, if Daryl Williams had walked, if the bills hadn't signed Matt Breda on a great minimum contract to be their third running back. If they hadn't brought in Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, the list goes on and on. Brandon Bean has set himself up where he can do whatever the hell he wants in the draft because He's got most of the weaknesses covered on this roster.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I have thoughts on what I think the Bills are going to do in the draft, but
1: conversation for another day. Teaser alert. Future Bill Eve podcast will go all into the Buffalo Bills. You'll get two amateurs trying to talk like they know about the draft and and who Buffalo should take. We'll read some articles. (laughs) We'll get all brushed up. Um, We obviously try to prepare ourselves on this podcast here, but – I guess that the overarching theme though, Jamie, is with the D line, it's not as bad as you think. Um, There's a lot of potential, and that's really the key word. Potential doesn't always turn into actual talent. Realizing that potential is the hard part of having potential. But the good news is the Bills have a lot of time to work on this through hopefully a regular training camp and preseason games. And it's not like they're counting on the D line to be the best part of their team. It just needs to play better than it did last year. Yes, it does. Coming up next week on the podcast, Jamie, we go to another unit that thankfully it's a lot more optimistic than I thought it was going to be heading into the off season with Matt Milano coming back. It's going to be the state of the linebackers. This is still an area that has a lot of, of question marks at the depth positions behind the starters, you know, with Tyler Madikiewicz, uh, coming back for another year in A.J. Klein Can he keep up his superhero performance that he did down the stretch in 2020? What to do with Tremaine Edmonds and that fifth-year option, and whether he actually has a future at the mic or whether he'll get shifted to another part of the linebacking core. Those are some of the topics we will hit on next week here on Believe. Jamie, get ready. State of the linebackers. Fasten your seatbelts, buddy going to be a wild ride we of course appreciate our fans being there every step of the way here on bill eve if you have any thoughts on the state of the d-line if you think that we're cuckoo for cocoa puffs and the bills are in dire need of talent upgrade at the defensive tackles or defensive ends feel free to let us know that give us a comment on social media jamie is at the jamie D'Amico. i am at john Bacchasino. you can also comment on our articles on BuffaloRumblings.com. but Either way, get involved. Leave us your thoughts. We'd love to interact with our fans here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.